Hello everyone, just a little note before we start to let you know that the following episode is not for sensitive ears. We are going to talk about a crime against a child in a moment, and I'll use as few details as possible, but thanks for understanding. Today's episode needs a backstory, and it's a chilling backstory set in Denham Springs, a rough town east of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. There, a 40-year-old man, Gerald Borderland, already a convicted rapist on the morning of November 15, 2002, abducted his stepdaughter, Courtney, a 12-year-old, took her by knife point to his car, drove her across state lines to Mississippi, forced her to undress, and assaulted her in an unspeakable way. He then led her to a riverbank, pushed her to the ground, strangled her to death, hid her body under a brush pile, and drove away. Borderland was caught a few days later and confessed. It took less than an hour of deliberation for a jury to convict him of first-degree murder, and it took less than an hour of deliberation for a jury to give him the death penalty. Borderland waived his right to appeal, saying in court, quote, I would commit the same crime again if ever given the chance, end quote. A state Supreme Court opinion found his decision made with a clear mind and upheld Borderland's right to waive all appeals, arriving at the conclusion that he was a, quote, sexual sadist, end quote, and that his criminal history showed escalating patterns of violence. For his final days on earth, he was sent to death row at a maximum security prison in Louisiana called the Alcatraz of the South, or simply Angola. Angola is the largest maximum security prison in the U.S., An 18,000-acre complex comprised of five former plantations, now home to 6,300 prisoners, limited to only murderers, rapists, armed robbers, and habitual felons. The average sentence here is 88 years, with 3,200 people in one place serving life sentences. 90% of the inmates will die here. But only a couple by execution. And as Borderland's execution date drew close, the Lord providentially landed John Piper in Angola. On November 20th, 2009, Piper toured the prison with the notorious warden, Burl Kane, a forthright Christian and a man with a near-mythical reputation for turning Angola, once known as the bloodiest prison in the South, into a model facility. As he drove Piper around the enormous campus, Kane, always eager for death row inmates to hear the gospel, turned to Piper and asked if he'd be willing to meet with a condemned prisoner. Piper agreed, and Kane drove to the solitary confinement cells. A few moments later, Piper was face-to-face with Gerald Borderland and given 30 minutes. Never have I felt a greater urgency to say the good news plainly and plead from my heart, Piper recounted. He shared the gospel, pled with Borderland to treasure Christ, and asked him to read the gospels until the beauty of Christ gripped his heart. That was of utmost urgency. They prayed together twice. Piper took a picture of Gerald on his iPhone and promised to pray for him and to write him letters later. Moments later, in Angola's chapel, before 800 prisoners, Piper preached from John 6 on Jesus' feeding of the 5,000 and his walk on water. I preached with all my heart to those who could fit in the chapel, Piper recounted later. I pulled no punches. Many other prisoners watched on closed-circuit television, including Borderland and his fellow death row inmates. The result from this afternoon remains one of my all-time favorite sermons, Piper at his most urgent. And today I want to feature this clip from the beginning of that sermon. And when you hear Gerald's name, you'll know a bit of the backstory. Here's Pastor John. 
This has been a really remarkable afternoon, as you can imagine. My first time here, and uh, hope not my last. But I have been moved. I just want to greet the several brothers whose hands I shook over on death row. I told them to be watching on Channel 21, and they said they would be, so I said I would uh, remember you. And uh, Gerald, you said you'd be watching. I want you to listen real carefully. I hope you are. I've seen the lay of the land, and uh, I've heard remarkable stories, and the work of God here is unprecedented, as you know, in prisons. I feel a, a weight on me that it, um, I hope the Lord processes in terms of power and not oppression. And the reason I feel such a weight is because I know most of you aren't, aren't leaving this place except to go to heaven. And that's heavy. It's got to be a, a battle lots of times. The message that I have is a combination of the last three Sundays at my church. So I didn't prepare the substance of this just for you. But as I was praying three or four days ago, Lord, what, what am I supposed to say in this situation? And I went over in my mind what I had been trying to drive home to my people from the sixth chapter of John. I think the Lord said, uh, just go there and apply it to their situation. And here's the remarkable thing. I hope you see this. There is a sense in which your position here in prison, next stop heaven, makes it easier for you to get this message than for my people who are tempted every day to be idolaters with their freedom and their prosperity. Let me sum it up. I'll do the big summary of where I'm going, and then we're going to go in. If you have a Bible and you want to go with me, you can go to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, just listen. That's fine. And here's, here's the summary of where we're going to go. We're going to work on verses 1 through 29 in three sections, because there were originally three sermons. We're packing it in to one, and I'll just get right to the heart of each one. And there's a common denominator. Here's, here's the main point. Jesus did not come into the world mainly to give bread, but to be bread. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. John 6, 35. That's verse 35. Says the same thing again in verse 48. Same thing again in verse 51. He came into the world not to give bread, but to be bread. Now, he is going to give bread. And you can miss it. You can miss it by thinking that's the main thing he came to do. Give me the bread. But that's not the main reason he came. You've already had a lot of bread taken out of your hands. And I hope it lands on you with massive good news. That he came to be bread. Not mainly give bread. He's got to take bread out of a lot of people's hands so that they will trust him as the bread. Secondly, he did not come to be useful, but to be precious. Oh, how many Christians 
receive him as useful. Or another way to put it is, Jesus Christ did not come into the world to assist you in meeting desires you already had before you were born again. He came into the world to change your desires so that he's the main one. That's the reason he came. And so many preachers, maybe some have stood in this pulpit, and they have taken you right where you are with your desires, natural desires that you share with every fallen human being in the world and just say, Jesus came to meet that. Well, he didn't. He came to change those desires profoundly, deep. It's called the new birth, so that he's the central desire. He's the bread. He's the precious one. That's the point of this sermon. Now, he does care about bread. I mean natural bread. He cares about your body. He just doesn't care about your body and your natural bread mainly. That's coming. That's coming just on the other side of the grave. There's going to be a resurrection someday. No more mourning. No more crying. No more tears. No more depression. No more sin. Only joy on the new earth, under the new heavens, forever. That's coming. He cares about the body. He's going to raise the body from the dead, make you young forever, handsome forever, healthy forever, so that you can enjoy him in the fullness of your humanity. That's coming. But that's not the main point of this world. Amen. It's unclear what resulted from Piper's meeting with Gerald Borderland and uh, this sermon. One day we will know. Piper promised to write, and he did, sending off two letters in December of 2009. Quote, I know that you have decided not to appeal your death sentence. You have decided to lay down your life to spare your family and others any more heartache, Piper wrote him. I see a glimmer of goodness in that. Maybe you can taste then what it was like for Jesus. He never committed any sin, none, not even a bad thought or a bad attitude. If anybody ever deserved to live a long life, it was Jesus, and it ended at age 33. It ended because he chose to die in our place so that the curse of our sin could fall on him. He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. So he chose to die for us. Gerald, you know that you have committed many sins, including the one that will send you to your death in this world. But there is no sin so great that the terrible death of Jesus cannot cover it. I hope you believe this. Quote. Seven weeks after this sermon, Bordelin was executed. On January 7th, 2010, he was led into Angola's lethal injection chamber, wearing a white t-shirt and a gold cross necklace from his daughter. Witnesses say Borderland's eyes were red-rimmed from crying as he haltingly said his final words, I'd like to apologize to my family and tell them that I love them. He was strapped down, IVs inserted in his arms, three drugs put him to sleep, stopped his breathing, and stopped his heart, all very quickly. A moment later, Warden Kane said, quote, We now pronounce Gerald Borderland dead. We've sent his soul for final judgment. To this day, Borderland remains the last prisoner to be executed in Louisiana. You can listen to or watch the full sermon at DesiringGod.org titled, Jesus Came Not to Give Bread, But to Be Bread. You'll find it on the site. 
I'm your host, Tony Ranke, and we'll see you on Friday with Pastor John back in the studio.